It's Monday, July 24th. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi. And this is What A Day, where for the first time ever, we are going to follow Elon Musk's lead and change our name to a single letter. Yeah, we're going to go with the letter Y, because that's the question we're always asking ourselves. Why? You know what? That's not a bad idea, actually. (laughs) On today's show, Alabama Republicans have done the absolute least to follow a federal court order to empower black voters. Plus, the Barbie movie made herstory in its opening weekend. (laughs) But first, we have an update on the demonstrations in Israel opposing Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's plan to reform the country's judicial system. As we've covered on the show, Israel is in what the BBC calls one of its most serious domestic crises ever, as hundreds of thousands of folks are packing the streets across the country. This is all in advance of a vote by parliament that will happen later today. So to quickly recap, what are these reforms that Netanyahu is calling for and why are so many people protesting? Israel is another one of those countries we've talked about that are experiencing a shift to the right, dare I say, alt-right, sociopolitically. And so what we're seeing in the country is this split between the hella conservative folks who are in power and a more liberal populace. Those folks in power have made long-standing attacks on LGBTQ plus communities, religious freedom, Israeli and Palestinian civil society, and even those who can call themselves Jewish. As for the reforms in question, they concern the power of the government versus the power of the courts. There are four main points. One, they want to weaken the power of the Supreme Court to review or throw out laws and give Parliament the ability to overrule the Supreme Court with a simple majority vote. Number two, they want to give the government a decisive say over who becomes a judge, including who serves on the Supreme Court. Number three, they want to allow ministers to ignore the advice of their legal advisors who are guided by the attorney general. Currently, ministers are required by law to listen to their advisors, which seems to make sense to me, but... You know, whatever. Okay. Sure. (laughs) And then the vote happening today is on point number four, which is a bill that would limit or remove the Supreme Court's power to overrule government or ministerial decisions, which it deems to be unreasonable. So with this idea, it would be similar to Congress being able to overturn the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe versus Wade, for example. That's a good example, but uh, I don't think any of these things are sounding all that great. Not at all. And as you might imagine, right, people are protesting because they see these types of reforms as threatening the country's democracy, which is exactly what it is. It's basically an aim to limit or remove some of those typical checks and balances on parliament and to dilute the power of the courts. Right. And the situation is even worse because Netanyahu is currently in some legal trouble of his own. He's been charged with fraud breach of trust, and accepting bribes in three separate scandals. Though he's denied any wrongdoing, they always deny any wrongdoing, Mm. folks are noting how some of these judicial reforms would likely help him avoid any sort of accountability regarding these allegations. Hmm, what a very curious coincidence. Mm -hmm. That is so wild. Anyways, 
That is all crazy. But there were also reports over the weekend that Netanyahu was in the hospital. So a lot going on here. What do we know about that? Yeah, so as of yesterday, he was recovering in a hospital after having had an emergency heart procedure. He had to have a pacemaker implanted. But in a short video address, he assured folks that he'd be back at the Knesset with his administration today to cast his vote. But like I said, hundreds of thousands of folks have been protesting these reforms literally since the top of the year. Even members of the Israeli military are concerned about how these measures will change things for the worse. So we'll have to wait and see how today's vote shakes out and, you know, see where this issue goes from here. Got it. Okay, so we will be keeping our eyes on that. In other major international news, yesterday, people in Spain went to the polls for arguably the country's most important election in years, one that is resulting in a little bit of a political mess at the moment. So with nearly all votes counted, returns indicate that no single political party or existing coalition has won enough seats in the country's Congress of Deputies to declare victory outright. Between Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez's Socialist Party and his conservative opponents, the Popular Party, neither was able to secure the necessary 176 seats for the majority outright or when combined with the parties that they would likely team up with to form their own governments. This means that Spain is heading towards weeks of negotiation between parties to either form a new government, or if that doesn't work, they will head back to the polls for a whole new vote later this year. Okay, so tell us, was this what we were expecting to happen, or is this, you know, a surprise? This is not really what was expected at all. So there was a lot of fear that a far-right anti-immigration party known as Vox would end up teaming up with the conservative popular party to form a coalition and take power. This didn't happen, even though the popular party won 136 seats, which is the most of any party in this election. Vox ended up losing 19 seats, which means that together they didn't have enough support to clear that threshold of 176 seats. That was not what was expected here. A right-wing takeover was being predicted, which is both incredibly surprising for Spain, but would have echoed some of what else has happened across Europe in recent years. Okay, so how did this happen in the first place? How did we get here? Yeah, so it is a really interesting situation. Let's start first with some context. So the current prime minister of Spain, Pedro Sanchez, has been in power for five years now. He leads a left-wing coalition that includes his own Spanish Socialist Workers' Party, but it is a very fragile coalition. Under his leadership, Spain has weathered COVID, it's stabilized its economy and political system, it's seen strong economic growth and low inflation. He's also very popular within the EU. But it's not all perfect. Not everybody's happy. Spain still has the highest unemployment in the EU, and not everybody is thrilled with some of his social policies. On the other hand, you have the Conservative Popular Party, or PP, and their leader, Alberto Núñez Fejo, as well as Vox, this unabashedly ultranationalist, anti-immigrant, anti-feminist, anti-science, anti-LGBTQ party. Vox was originally a very small group of former PP members, but in recent years, it's become Spain's third largest political party, which, of course, is incredibly concerning. Back in May, Prime Minister Sanchez's party and their allies had some pretty big losses in regional and municipal elections. And after that happened, Sanchez dissolved parliament and called for this snap election. But instead of the end of the year when it would typically be held, the date was pushed up to July. 
Before this, the PP didn't officially say that they would try to team up with Vox to form a government, but after the May elections where the Social Democratic Party suffered, the PP and Vox formed lots of local coalition agreements, leading many to believe that that would have happened had they had the numbers in this election. And of course, that didn't happen yesterday, but they still could secure the majority through some wheeling and dealing with other smaller regional parties, just as Prime Minister Sanchez's party could do with other parties. Gotcha. Okay, so you mentioned earlier about this being something that we're seeing happening across Europe and and other places. How exactly does this fit into context with the rest of the continent and what we're seeing lately? Yeah, it's a really good question. So right-wing populism has, of course, been on the rise for some time now across Europe, Latin America, right here in the U.S. We are not immune. But for a long time, those nationalist sentiments did not catch on in Spain, probably in large part due to their history, Francisco Franco's decades-long dictatorship in the country. But those feelings started to change recently, at least for some people in Spain. The secessionist movement in Catalonia, for example, is cited as one of the things that revived some of this nationalist sentiment. We still don't know what exactly will end up happening Vox could become a part of the Spanish government with the PP and other parties. That would be the first time a far-right party has been a part of the leading coalition since Spain became a democracy again in the 70s, so quite some time. But all of this remains to be seen in the coming weeks. Like, who will be able to form the coalition? Will they be able to do it at all? Do they all have to go back to the polls? Mm -hmm. We'll obviously continue to keep you updated on any new developments here. But that is the latest for now. We'll be back after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WAD. 
What a Day is brought to you by Ramp. We are all looking for ways to simplify our finances. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that true? <laughs> or tax week? Man. That is why there's Ramp. Ramp is a corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Two things we love to do. Love that. With Ramp, you are able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Wow. This is huge. Yeah. Ramp is super easy to use. Get started and start making payments in less than 15 minutes. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash wad, ramp.com slash wad, R-A-M-P dot com slash wad. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC, terms and conditions apply. Now let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Another wave of Russian airstrikes hit the Ukrainian city of Odessa yesterday, killing at least one person and injuring several others. It's the latest in a barrage of attacks against the southern port city and the surrounding region over the past week. Yesterday's strike also damaged several historical buildings, including the Transfiguration Cathedral, the city's largest church building. It was first consecrated in the early 1800s before it was destroyed in 1936 and was later rebuilt after Ukraine regained its independence from the Soviet Union. The Kremlin denies targeting the church, which was designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site before the Russian invasion began last year. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky condemned the latest strike and vowed retaliation, saying, quote, there can be no excuse for Russian evil. Roughly 19,000 people were evacuated over the weekend from parts of the Greek island of Rhodes, where over 160 wildfires have been raging for several days. That is 160 wildfires. Mm -hmm. Wild to even comprehend. This is the largest evacuation in the country's modern history, as flights have been canceled and makeshift evacuation centers have been set up in other hotels, gyms, and conference centers in safe parts of the island. Rhodes is a popular vacation destination, and guests at at least a dozen hotels were told to leave before it was too late. So far, Greece, like so many other places around the world right now, is facing its longest heat wave on record. And Greece and other parts of the Mediterranean may not get much relief. Temperatures are expected to climb above 40 degrees Celsius or 104 degrees Fahrenheit for at least the next few days, and the extreme heat could last through the end of the month. The Department of Justice is about to mess with Texas, and for a good reason. The DOJ has threatened to sue over dangerous floating barriers installed in the Rio Grande meant to deter migrants from crossing into the U.S. from Mexico. We told you about these barriers last week and how officers working for Governor Greg Abbott's so-called border security detail have reportedly called them inhumane. They're basically large floating barrels with a mesh netting attached to them to keep people from swimming under underneath them, and some are even wrapped in razor wire. In a letter sent to Texas officials late last week, the Justice Department warned that Texas may have violated federal law by putting them in the river in the first place. Governor Abbott, for his part, doubled down on Friday, saying in a tweet, quote, we'll see you in court, Mr. President. Greg Abbott just liked to fight. I don't even think he cares about what the law says or doesn't say. He's just trying to wreak havoc. Truly. Anyway, the DOJ says it will drop the matter if Texas commits to removing the barriers by 1 p.m. Central Time today. So the DOJ has given them the easiest out here. Mm -hmm. Like, just get rid of it and no legal action. Everything is good, which is, in the first place, is crazy. But, you know, they're giving them an out. Will they take it, though? I feel like they are... <laughs> Probably not. 
probably not smart enough to do do the right thing here. And we have an update for you about a story we told you last Wednesday. Alabama's Republican-led legislature on Friday approved a new, albeit half-assed, congressional map that critics say does not satisfy a recent ruling from the Supreme Court. To give you a quick refresher, the state had until the end of last week to come up with a new map that creates two majority Black districts. Instead, Republican lawmakers went ahead and carved out one new district that barely meets that requirement, along with a second district with fewer than 50% Black residents. Now, the group of voters who took their original case to the Supreme Court said that they will challenge the new plan in federal court, arguing that it does not comply with the Voting Rights Act. The three-judge panel that struck down Alabama's 2022 maps will hear the case on August 14th and could potentially order a special master to draw new lines for the state. As Democratic State Representative Chris England put it, quote, Alabama does what Alabama does. What we're hoping for is that the federal court does what it always does to Alabama, forces us to do the right thing. Well, listen, that's very self-aware. If only everyone else in Alabama (laughs) thought the same thing. (laughs) If only. And finally, to close out with a big splash of pink, the Barbie movie made box office history in its opening weekend, raking in a cool $155 million in ticket sales. It's not just the most successful opening weekend for a film this year, it's also the biggest debut weekend ever for a movie helmed by a female director. So shout out to our girl Greta Gerwig. Hell yeah. And in a stunning rebuke to the superhero movie Industrial Complex, the pink-studded blockbuster also outdid every Marvel movie that's come out this year. So suck it, Kevin Feige. And if you care about Oppenheimer, which some of us don't, but we have a duty to uphold our reputation as a balanced news outlet. Mm -hmm. That we do. (laughs) It lagged behind Barbie, but still pulled in over $80 million at the box office. So let's just say the films are winning as we always do. Period. As usual. Competition aside, though, the two movies combined brought people back to theaters in record numbers. Barbenheimer Weekend raked in a total of $302 million in domestic ticket sales, making it the fourth highest grossing movie weekend of all time in North America. And that figure could climb even higher once final numbers are tallied up later today. What an exciting achievement. Have you seen it yet? Have you I have witnessed not. the Barbie craze in person i have not witnessed barbie yet i know you're not even asking about oppenheimer that's not on my list i'm so sorry (laughs) not the kind of film i would see no disrespect to anyone who it is that's fine just not for me i haven't seen barbie yet but not because i don't want to just because this weekend not a good weekend for me but planning on seeing it this week i'm thrilled i've heard nothing but good things yeah i'm really excited it's so good it's super camp it's high camp okay what was the vibe at the theater i imagine like the atmosphere was like even more fun just to be around like people dressed up i went to a 9 30 a.m viewing (laughs) 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 well different vibe but there were still people dressed in their barbie attire at 9 30 a.m wow i love it you know the passion is real okay people Love it. And those are the headlines. One more thing before we go. We have an important message for members of the Wad Squad in Ohio because you have a big election coming up on Tuesday, August 8th. GOP lawmakers thought it would be cute to put a measure on the ballot that would make it harder to amend the state's constitution. And it comes right before November's vote to guarantee abortion access in the Buckeye State. 
So head over to votesaveamerica.com slash Ohio to get all the information you need to vote no on issue one on August 8th and make sure all your friends and family do as well. That is all for today. If you like this show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, dare to visit the world outside of your Barbie dream house, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just panicked reviews of the Barbie movie from conservative influencers like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And, and don't, don't forget, forget your, your rollerblades. I might need to forget mine. I'm going to say, this makes a lot more sense to the folks who've actually seen the movie. But, like, once you see it, it'll make sense. It'll all make sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm coordinated enough to uh, bring those to the movie theater. (laughs) Valid point. Do I get to wear the wrist guards? (laughs) Feels necessary. (laughs) What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producers, Itzy Quintanilla, Raven Yamamoto, and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. Our intern is Ryan Cochran, and our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty stores and Ulta.com.